0: Hey everybody and welcome to the UFC on ESPN Plus 7 Overeem versus Olinick that section. That's a fucking mouthful, isn't it? Um before we jump into this main card though, let's talk about the fights that went down this past weekend where um Israel Adesanya was able to defeat Kelvin Gastelum for the interim middleweight title. And uh one of the best probably the best interim title fight ever and maybe one of the best title fights of all time in period. Um really back and forth um They both hurt each other. I felt like Gastelum won the first, Israel won the second, and the third. And then I felt like Kelvin came back in the fourth, and then Israel just took over in the fifth. So I had it three rounds to uh, Israel, but it was a good fucking fight. Kelvin, I think, surprised a lot of people with his hand speed and just his ability to close distance on Israel, get inside some of those kicks and attacks that were keeping him on the edge. But... Overall, I felt, like, I felt like Adesanya controlled most of the fight. But it was a great fucking fight. They both hurt each other several times. And I feel like we're going through this kind of – and you saw this in the main event too between Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. But after all the stuff with Conor and Habib, there seems to be almost an emphasis on respectfulness between fighters, right? Um, it seems that way at least. I don't know. I hope it continues. I prefer it. Don't get me wrong. Shit talking's fun and everything. I get that it sells the fights. But it just doesn't feel as authentic, you know? Like, you can't, you can't hate everybody. Like, Colby Covington is a villain, right, in his weight class, and he pretends to hate everybody. But there's no way that's real. That's why nobody falls into it. Like, I think people were so attracted to Conor shit-talking because I don't think he was personally attached to the – he was just trying to get inside their heads, right? It's like Colby's almost trying to manifest this personality, and it doesn't really work. And But it do, it works in the sense that it gets people talking about him and selling fights. Maybe at the end of the day that's all that fucking matters. But – um. Regardless, great, great interim title fight between those two, and then Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier put on a fucking show, showed a ton of heart. I mean, he was hurt in that fight. You could tell there were moments where he was like, "Oh fuck, maybe Max is going to start taking over." But man, everybody's placing this emphasis on how big Dustin looked at one fifty-five. And don't get me, don't get me wrong. I think Max, like you got to remember, Dustin's been settled into this weight class. I said this on the last podcast. Dustin's been settled in here for a while. This is Max's first go at 155. You know, of course he's going to look a little small. Like, I think he's in flux right now. Like, he doesn't know if he's going to stay at 145 or if he's going to go up to 155. So it makes sense that his weight is fluctuating a little bit. You know, it's not—he's not he's not going to be built like every other – the muscle density is not all going to be there like it is for every other 155er who has, like, a routine and a strict nutrition program. And that's when they fucking cut the weight. So um, that didn't surprise me so much. But to me, the difference was just like there are moments when Max will step off and he'll create an angle and he'll start attacking you, and then that's when he pours it on when he finds those openings. And Dustin was just making him pay when he came in for big – like Max could never – first off, there, there was a good point that was made by like DC and Rogan and everybody comment- commentating that Dustin was hurting Max with the shots more than Max was hurting Dustin. But there were moments where I felt like Max clipped Dustin and – you know, Dustin rebounded, put his foot back on the gas, and just made it a fucking dogfight, and he looked brilliant, his boxing was on point, and like I said, he was making Max pay when he was coming in, like, there are moments in a fight when Max normally starts taking over, and, you know, really pouring it on guys, and Dustin never let that fucking happen, I don't think, it, it might have been, had something to do with the strength, but, Poirier was just landing a lot of fucking shots in general, regardless of whether they had pop or not, and they were stopping Max from coming in and applying the pressure that he's used to putting on people. I thought Dustin looked fucking great. He looked like a world champion, and if he doesn't get the title shot against a after a performance like that, against who everybody was talking about before he moved up to this weight class as one of the pound-for-pound greats, something is fucking wrong. I mean, Dustin Poirier is an animal. And he's he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's been working on his wrestling. He... I mean, he just beat one of the—he beat the best featherweight of all time, and a guy who everybody felt like should have moved up to 155, like, he would look better there. And I still don't think that weight class is out of the realm of possibility for Max Holloway. I think if he throws on, like, if he decides he wants to move up there, it'll be an easier cut for him, and then he can start throwing on a little bit of muscle. He'll look better there. He'll have more, a little more pop on his punches, but— I didn't necessarily think that was the biggest thing. Like, yes, he was stinging him, but he was stinging him because of his technique and the openings that Max were giving him, was giving him. And to me, it was just a night where Dustin Poirier capitalized on opportunity. He looked fucking fantastic. And I don't know that he's getting, into, I don't know. He's, he's obviously getting credit and he looked great, but I just don't feel like, I feel like, Hindsight's 2020 right of course everybody's going to say max didn't look as good and i mean max has never been the kind of guy with a ton of pop to his punches anyway though he's a volume guy he has to put it on you and he could just never put enough volume on dustin poirier to put him away in my opinion great fight both guys uh respectful the whole entire way through uh dustin poirier's got this great cause called the good fight foundation max donated his gloves to it they sell off fight kits and auction them off for charity um Dustin Poirier is just one of those guys who, it feels good to see him win a title. He's a guy who deserves to win a title. He's been through a lot in his career. He's been with the UFC for a long fucking time. He's been fighting the top names in the sport at 145 and 155 for his, the duration of his career. I mean, goddamn, Dustin Poirier is a fucking problem. And, you know, I I, I understand that on paper, he probably people are probably just thinking Habib's going to take him down and maul him, but... Habib, in order for him to complete his takedowns, has to apply pressure. And what Dustin Poirier exemplified to me in that fight was the ability to deal with pressure. I always say if someone's pressuring you, you have to make them pay for it. Dustin Poirier has the ability to make Habib pay for the pressure. I'm not saying he's going to be a favorite. I'm not saying it's an easy task to overcome for him by any means, but he does throw volume and he does have within him to go five rounds with Max Holloway, who has an endless gas tank gas tank. You know? So. It's gonna be interesting. That's a fucking deep weight class. And uh, I guess, you know, uh, for a little further down the card on the, not the prelims, but you know, before the main event, the co-main and the main event, we had Eric Andrews fight Khalil Roundtree. And uh, you see fighters make these giant strides in their games sometimes, but Khalil Roundtree looked like a completely different fucking person. I had no idea he went to Thailand or anything like that until they started talking about it when they were commentating. Holy fuck, man. His leg kick is nasty. And you could just tell that Anders was confused. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to deal with it. it Roundtree was in control of the entire fight. Probably c- picked up, in my eyes, two, 10, eight rounds and then coasted through the third. I mean, it was a brilliant performance. And you got to remember, Anders is the guy who gave a little bit of trouble to Tiago Santos. And, you know, he fought Leota Machito, went five rounds with him. I mean, he's, he's been in there with some tough guys. And I felt like Roundtree made it look fucking easy, like a complete transformation. He's always been a striker but everything just looks so much more precise and refined in that fight it was a gr- it was a great fight to watch and man like i said i don't know if I've, i i don't know if i can recall a fighter making e- strides that were so evident from one fight to another At least, and and put them on display the way he did against Anders especially that was the impressive part that he could do it on the big stage you know like you always hear about guys oh they're getting better in the gym and sometimes for whatever reason the lights are on and they don't perform but Roundtree shirt as fuck did. Um everybody was pissed about the Dwight Grant fight and Allen Joe Ban cuz it was boring and admittedly, you know, you get fights like that, man. It was and Joe Ban was upset and acted like it was this outrage, but you man, when Dwight Grant was landing the strikes were more significant. I know he didn't aggra- I think there's a misconception and Dominic Cruz always proves this point for me when I bring this up that if you're the one aggressing, you're the one winning the fight and I don't think that's true because if you're if your aggression is If you're still missing shots and the other guy is making you miss because of your aggression and he's countering you and his strikes are doing more damage, like, to me, the guy backing up is still winning the fight. The pressure doesn't matter if it's not effective. Pressure should be used to create, like, opportunities for takedown. Like, the way you see DC pressure box and Jorge Masvidal pressure box, like, those motherfuckers are in your face throwing their hands, like, that's very effective, you know? But if you're just pushing forward and you're not really landing anything and you're waiting for these opportunities, like I know it's one of the like the criteria they list is the scoring, but to me, like like if, if TJ Dillashaw's pressuring Dominic Cruz but missing on all the shots and Dominic's touching him and backing up and has him chasing him and playing into his game. How can you argue how can you not argue that dominant Cruz is winning the fight? I, I understand both sides do it, but to me, whoever is implementing their game plan better is winning. And I felt like Grant was implementing his game plan better just slightly. Just a little bit. I don't think I wouldn't have been upset if they gave that fight to Joe Ban, but my point is in a fight like that, Joe Ban can't be so outraged because of the result, you know? And um then Nikita Krilov fought Ovin St. Pru, and OSP just, again, OSP's looked a little lethargic to me lately. And, you know, he was able to take Krilov down a couple times but couldn't maintain it, couldn't hold him down there. And Krilov got back to his feet and ended up tapping him out and got some revenge for the for the loss that took to OSP years back. Um, it was just like everything that OSP did just wasn't quite enough, you know. Krylov was able to shrug it off, get back to his feet, start implementing his offense. I don't know. And look Krilov looked good. I mean not not taking anything away from him. It just it just felt like it wasn't Osp's night. He couldn't get anything going and he got outclassed by a guy who looked like I said he looked really good and he got a finish over you know he you know he wanted that win back. You know he wanted to get that one back and he got a finish over a guy who's you know considered among some maybe not the elite but he's a consistent top 10 talent for the UFC heavyweight division. Um All right, I don't know what there is in terms of news. You know, there's beef going on between Israel Adesanya and Jon Jones, and to me all that is is look at the names in Jon Jones' division. The most exciting guy that you're talking about at 205 right now isn't even the guy that he's fighting. I mean, Tiago Santos is a killer. Don't get me wrong. But if you think that Jon Jones is going to go in there and just get into a slugfest with a guy like Tiago, I don't think that's going to happen. But the guy that a lot of people are talking about is Johnny Walker, and he's not, like, ready for a title shot. So... Who's, who's a big name right now? Who's unique? He's got an attractive personality. He's tall. He's long. He's rangy. He's one of the best kickboxers ever. Israel Adesanya. He's undefeated. He just won the interim middleweight title. So to me, it's like a marketing thing. Like where is there, you know, and I think Israel's viewing it as this way for John to knock him out early. And maybe it is. I don't fucking know. You know, maybe John just wants to take care of the threat now and neutralize it. I don't understand. I don't really know who said what first, but. To me, John should be looking to expand up a division instead of focusing on a guy who just won an interim title and still has to face Robert Whittaker. Like, those two still have to fight, and Whittaker's a motherfucker. Like, let 185 work itself out. And then there's still guys like Yoel Romero, and you got a... Uh, who's that motherfucker who changed his name? Paulo Costa? Is that it? You still got guys like him in the mix, and is going to be fighting next weekend, right, in Miami? I mean, you still got some killers at that weight class, man. He's got to get through a lot still. And Whittaker's no fucking joke. Whittaker's very good. He's a killer. That's going to be a great fucking fight. And it's going to be a huge fight. Probably the biggest fight in the history of wherever they hold it. It's going to be massively popular. But I don't know. To me, I just think they need to stay in their respective lanes right now. If their paths collide later on down the road, great. It'll be a great fight, I'm sure. But... I think Israel has a point that he needs a little more grooming, and he's got guys in front of him in his own weight class that he needs to worry about right now. He needs to focus on 185. He just had, he just had a hell of a fight and won the interim title. Like, let him handle things there and worry about it when, when the timing seems more appropriate. But, uh, all right, let's get on to this main card. Um, first fight is going to be a middleweight bout between Christoph Jocko and Alan Amadovsky. And Amadovsky is a guy who was fighting in Bellator, and uh, he's 8-0, and I think... All eight wins have come by way of knockout, and i don't know a whole lot about the guy i don't know a whole lot about a lot of the guys on this card i'm not going to sit here and try to bullshit you. I'll just give you my picks based off what i've seen right but i mean Amadowski's a boxer primarily he knocks he's got heavy hands he knocks people out with them and you know he i think he's got eight first round knockouts I think every single one of his wins has come by way of first round k o but um you saw in his fight with Will Fleury that Flurry was able to take him down, pound on him a little bit, but when he got back up to his feet, he knocked him dead. Knocked the guy before that dead, too. I mean, he's got, undoubted he you can't deny his knockout power, but I just don't know a ton about the guy, and he's fighting the guy in Christoph Jocko who, you know, I mean, Jocko's been around the block a little bit, man. Jocko's a guy who, he's on a three-fight losing streak right now, and I think that might be skewing the odds a little bit in um, Amadovsky's favor, but Jocko's got really good kicks, you know, he's, He mixes things up really well. His losses, his last three losses, by the way, have been to Brad Tavares, no fucking joke. Uriah Hall, no fucking joke. David Branch, split decision loss, no fucking joke. Like, those guys are all tough. And, um, you know, I think you saw, I, I, I forget, I was listening to the commentary in one of the fights, and they were talking about how he was abandoning his kick. His kick volume went down over the last, like, few fights, and, you know, you notice that he's losing all of a sudden so uh, I, I think that in a fight like this against a guy who is heavy handed from what I've seen, right, I could be wrong this guy might be a phenomenal kickboxer, I don't know I couldn't find a whole lot on him but if Jocko is able to implement his kicking, get some leg kicks going and establish range and be crafty with the striking, I think he's going to get this win, he's got a lot of UFC experience, man he's been here for the last six years um, his most three ro- losses, like I said, he's got he's on a three fight losing streak against some real fucking killers, you know and, uh, yeah, he's, I just think I, – I think that if he puts everything together, he's going to have a good night. It's just going to be a – it's going to be whether he's going to be able to pull the trigger on his kicks and keep him at range. I think if Jocko keeps his fight at range, it's. it's – I think he can pick up a decision whenever. He might even be able to knock him out. But I think against guys who, you know – who have a lot of power there's there's a tendency to try to pick them apart slowly which makes the most sense and then if if the finish is there in the later rounds go after it and if not why walk into the power why even risk it if you're fighting a technical fight so I think jocko has to remain patient intelligent stick to the game plan stay at range and he'll probably come away with the win um, and you know for the other guy uh Amadovsky, he's got he's got to come in to he's got to get into boxing range right because I, like I said jocko's kicks I think are underrated. Um, not even underrated, just hasn't been thrown them as often lately. So they haven't been really talked about. And, um, I think that's going to be a big, a big determining factor in this fight. I think it's going to be hard for Amadovsky to get into boxing range on a guy who has legitimate UFC experience. So for that reason, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Jotko. decision or like late, late fight knockout, something like that. All right, next is a women's flyweight bout between Roxanne Modaferi and Anton- Antonina Shevchenko, Valentina Shevchenko's little sister. And Valentina's the flyweight champion right now, and this is in the same division, so that, I mean, could potentially get interesting, right? I think Valentina's a fucking killer, and Anton- Antonina's only set I keep wanting to call her Antonia for some reason, but she's seven and no. You know, I think she's like 39 and one, professional kickboxing record, so she has a strong background in striking. But... She's going to be fighting Roxanne Modafferi, who has a lot of experience, has been through the Ultimate Fighter Gauntlet, I think a couple times, right? Um, lost to Sajara Eubanks, lost to Nico Montano for the Women's Inaugural Flyweight Championship. All right, where were we? Roxanne Modafferi in her win over Barb Honchak. You know, Roxanne's got ju- good jujitsu, man. When she gets on top of people, she can really, like, she can put it on. She's got good pressure. She understands how to control the head. She slices through your guard. You know, she's got... She's got good jujitsu. I thought that they were kind of underplaying. I understand that Eubanks is a world champion, but I didn't think she was a little less explosive, but she didn't look out of place. And um, this is going to be an interesting fight because, like I said, Roxanne has a lot of MMA experience. And um, her striking, she's never going to be a striker, right? But you can make improvements on it and improve the fundamentals. And the most important thing for her in this fight is going to be using those fundamentals and getting inside the reach of Antonina in order to take her down. She's got to start setting things up. She's got to go after, you know. She's got to really commit to the to the boxing and to the strikes in order to set up the takedowns. So, uh, you know, that that's where the striking work on the striking will end up paying off. Um, Otherwise, if if Antonina is able to keep this thing on the feet and avoid the takedown and keep. Roxanne off of her she's I think she'll win the fight but I'm I'm kind of leaning toward Roxanne she's an underdog but man you just can't account for experience and Roxanne's been around the block bought some really tough girls and uh yeah I'm I gotta check my fucking computer I'm getting a call from work guys one second and all right luckily for you guys I guess it's not a huge deal if I do this because I can just cut it out later but I got called at work and then my girlfriend called me as a whole fucking clusterfuck within like five minutes of each other Anyway, where were we? Oh, we were on the Roxanne Modafferi and Antonina Shevchenko fight, right? Uh, I'm gonna take. Uh, I think I already get the prediction for this, but I'm gonna take Roxanne. I just think that her experience is gonna make a big difference in this fight. Um, moving on, we're gonna have uh, Devin Clark, who is nine and three right now. Uh, he has. He just had a fight against uh, Jan Blahowicz recently, but who did he just fight? god damn i'm all over the place guys i'm sorry uh alexander Rockick, he got knocked out in the first round actually by him with a back fist uh he, he you know he clark hurt him a few times in that fight with those big lunging shots and then rockett was just able to read it and hit him like i said with the back fist and dropped him and then he capitalized but clark's a guy who's got a really strong wrestling background you know he uh Hot prospect coming. He got legs like fucking tree trunks, but a hot prospect coming into the UFC. Um, Picked up a nice win over Mike Rodriguez where he was able to implement his uh, wrestling a little bit. And uh, like I said, fought Jan Blachowicz, which is, uh, you know, he lost. He got rear naked choked while standing up by him. But Jan Blachowicz is a black belt. You know, he's ranked now among the top five, ten in the light heavyweight division. So that's not a bad loss. Um, He's explosive, got knockout power. And like I said, a really strong wrestling base. And uh, he's going to be fighting a guy in Ivan, I can't pronounce his name, Shikirov. Shikirov. And his name, if you look like him, he looks like a guy who's been doing steroids since he was three years old. I mean, he's fucking massive. His nickname is the Ural Hulk. And uh, he's like sixteen zero and one or something like that. And I'm not sure what the 1 is for, no contest. Watch it be related to like steroid usage or something. Oh, it's a draw. I'm sorry, it's not a no contest. It's a draw. Okay, so he's clean, but if you look at him, I mean, goddamn, he's built like a statue. I'm not saying he's actually on anything. I'm just saying he looks like he looks like somebody you might suspect might take something, right? And um, he he just recently submitted Tiago Silva in RCC five. I don't even know the fuck promotion that is, but uh, I'm guessing somewhere in Russia, right? i'd imagine but he submitted tiago silva who i didn't even know was fighting anymore you know he's he was a guy who i I loved watching him fight growing up then he got in trouble for steroids of some sort right and then falsified a urine test and then got kicked out of the ufc then got reinstated then video evidence came out about some altercation that he was in and then he got kicked out again anyway um before he beat silva he beat fabio fabio maldonado maldonado um so, you know, again, I don't know a ton about these guys, man. I just know that watching this guy, he's massive. Um, but all that muscle is going to take some – I mean, these are both densely built guys. But I think Clark with the wrestling background should have some a pretty good cardio base, like a fairly good one. I would look for him to – this fight could go either way. You could see a Clark who thinks that the best way to beat this guy is to get him out of there quickly. In my personal opinion – I'd be pushing this fight up against the cage using your wrestling, using those big expl- – I think it will be more explosive than um, Ivan will be. But you got to push the fight up against the cage land takedowns and try to wear this co- guy out over the course of a fight. I don't think you want to get into the – but he's a pretty good fucking grappler, so you got to be careful. Like if you watch, he was sitting in Tiago Silva's guard, and he Silva tried to throw up like a- an arm bar, then a triangle, then he, sub- he tried to transition to an Plata, and – Ivan was able to catch him in a fucking armbar, so his jujitsu skills are scary, man. He's strong, he's powerful, he's able to control you. This is going to be an interesting fight. Um, fuck, man, I don't, I really, I don't have a pick for this one. This is one of the closer fights on the card, in my opinion. Um, they're all really good matchups, but. Uh, I'm going with Clark. I just think that his explosiveness is going to be a difference maker and if he can implement his wrestling a little bit and wear on this guy against the cage and keep his back against the cage, I think it'll take a, a toll pretty quickly on Ivan. So I'm going Clark, but I really, this is a coin flip fight in my opinion. I really don't know. I mean, it could go either way. Uh, Marcelo Golem is fighting next against Sergey Pavlovich. And Pavlovich, um, you know, he's a guy who actually I believe was favorited over Alistair Overeem when they fought. So you know he's really good with his hands. He uh, he's got some knockouts on his record. He held again, man. I don't know a ton about these guys. He's, this is his second UFC fight. There's not I don't there's not a lot of ways to access all these fights over there. They're not really mainstream. You have to go out of your way to find them. I don't know a ton about the guy. I don't know a ton about Marcelo Gomes. Relatively new to MMA. He's only six and two, right? So I don't know a ton about him either. These are some interesting matchups. But um, from what I have seen, I think that Gomes has a little bit more speed in his, in his strikes. And I think that he's going to be able to leverage that in order to keep his distance, implement some kicks and, you know, but Pavlov, there's a reason Pavlovich was favored favored over Alistair Overing when he was ranked number six in the world. You know, like, I don't know. I just haven't seen enough about the guy. To, to, uh, I haven't seen enough fights from the guy to really give you an opinion. This is a tough fucking card, man. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a fun card. It's going to be a great card. It's in St. Petersburg. It's just, it's a tough fight to pick. It's tough to find the fights for these guys. Some of you motherfuckers probably seen everything and probably going to be like, oh, fuck, you just don't know where to look. Maybe. Maybe. Help me if so, because I can't fucking – I can find some of the fights, but not – I can't find like a very – like I can't find every fight for all the guys that I want to find on this card. So I'm giving you my best predictions, but don't take them too fucking seriously. Um i'm taking golem in that fight like i said i like his speed and i i like his ability to throw kicks and stuff i think he'll be able to mix things up diversify things and uh but he's a pretty heavy underdog man so i don't know we're gonna find out right next fight the co-main event is a big fight between islam makachev and armand sarkut i can't pronounce this motherfucker's name either sarukian and uh i was watching this guy fight and he actually is pretty good he's got some solid strikes and stuff you know he mixes things up pretty well um Pretty strong grappling when he's on top but he did get mounted by junior sun when they fought so i mean the problem is is when you're fighting a guy like islam makachev who people are excited about and who he, he trains at aka and they talk about how he gives habib some problems in the gym sometimes that's a real fucking issue you know this guy's an animal when he gets on top of you and they're built very similarly they look the same like all those dagestanis do but He's also got really smooth striking, and I think if you look at the way he throws his kicks and stuff, he's a little bit smoother on his feet than Habib is. You know, um, I'm not saying he's as good as Habib. Slow the fuck down. I'm just saying this guy's grappling and the way that he he throws things. He's he's got some potential, man. And this is a big fight against a guy who's 13 and one. Islam 16 and one. And uh, Islam is probably gonna end up being like the biggest betting favorite on this card. I would imagine he's an animal. I mean, in his top pressures. Like all those Sambo guys, right? He just went and won a gold medal in Sambo in like a world championship like a year or two ago. So he stays active in that stuff too. And I mean, beat up on Nick Lentz, outgrappled Nick Lentz, who has a wrestling background. You know, he and Nick Lentz was able to implement that against Scott Holtzman a little bit in his most recent fight. Um, you know, fuck. I'm going with Magachev. I hate to ride. Like It's fun to pick the underdog and stuff in this right, and this kid's 13-1, and one, and I just think that Magachev's going to overwhelm him. That grappling style, man, no one's really found an answer for it yet. I want to see it get matched up against, like, some high-level jiu-jitsu. Like a mother- I always thought the fight between Brian Ortega and Habib would be so interesting just because Ortega's competent on his feet, but, like, his world is on the ground and that's where habib's world is and brian is a guy who's great off his back and habib's a guy with great top pressure that's still a great fight to me and it's an interesting matchup just because of the styles but uh let's talk about the main event now and break this down between alistair Overeem and alexio linick um i gotta pick Overeem. you got you know i'm going to because i'm out I, I train at easton out here in denver and uh he trains downtown and i think he decided to move there after his loss to curtis blades right because uh curtis blades stopped him with elbows from the guard and blades is one of the best wrestlers in the heavyweight division and over him he you always hear all this talk about his striking but he's got some really good ground and pound man his top game on when he's on top of guys on the ground pretty fucking solid and he showed that against uh sergey pavlovich i know that's the guy who probably stepped in on short notice. i don't know if that was a short notice fight or not considering pavlovich was a favorite to be honest but regardless over him shut him down and you know that if he's working with a, if he's working with a guy like blades his wrestling's going to improve incrementally right and he's been he's been there for a little bit of time now so he's going to make strides in that department um the problem is do you want to take the fight to the ground with a guy like Alexio Linick who hits Ezekiel chokes from the bottom amount right he's he's one of the more unique submission artists in the heavyweight division he's got a grip like a fucking python he's he's a killer man he's he's I don't even know. How many submissions does he have? It's got to be a lot. His record is 57. <laughs> these guys have over 100 combined fights between them. More than that. Alistair Overeem is 44-17 and 17 with one no contest. Not counting his kickboxing experience. And Alexio Linick is 57-11-1. I mean, these guys have a lot of experience between them. This is a really fucking fun fight. Two vets going at it. Two heavyweights. Anything could happen. I like Overeem, though. A, I'm not going to pick against him. Because, like I said, I trained at the same gym at him, and uh, it, it would feel wrong. Not, I'm not, like, by the way, I want to be very clear on this. I'm a, I'm a white belt, right? Like, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for about three years, but I'm still a white belt. I just started kickboxing recently. I've just been a fan of this stuff for a long time. I'm not this, I don't claim to be an expert on this stuff. It's just fun for me, and I, I, it's, it's a good way for me to learn, you know? Like, I enjoy the sport, and I like talking about it, discussing it, bullshitting it, and Breaking these down is a good way to learn because then I get to look back and be like, oh, fuck, I was wrong about a lot of things this fight. And that happens all the time. People get on. I had a guy comment on one of the videos the other day, and he was like, uh, looks like your predictions were pretty wrong. I was like, well, yeah, uh, there are going to be a lot of wrong ones. That's the whole point of this thing. I'm just trying to. I just enjoy the sport. Like, these aren't meant to be taken, like, overly seriously. Like, I care about the fights, but I care more about the outcome than I do whether I got the right. or You know what I mean? I care more about what happens. And what the actual reality of the fight is more than whether I get it right or wrong. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't know. So, whatever. Either way. Um, but I do train at Easton, which is affiliated with the downtown branch. I train with the one in my area. And uh, I'm not going to pick against him, right? But... I actually do think that Overeem is going to have the tools to get this job done. He's, he's, he's going to be able to keep his range and pick him apart on the feet. He's a much more patient striker. Now that he's gotten older, he's not as reckless. Um, he was comfortable enough to go to the ground with Fabrizio over and sit in his guard a little bit. He didn't stay there too long in their last fight. You know, that was, I think you could debate the outcome of that fight. I think it was a good fight by Alistair, but I don't know. I feel like overall, I felt like Fabrizio won that fight, but, Alistair's taught like he—he's he, one of those guys who his striking's just so explosive and so devastating that you never really get to hear about some of the stuff that he does on the ground. And I think he's going to be a little bit too savvy to get caught in some of the stuff that is going to do. Um, I don't think this might not be the most exciting fight in the world. And you know, I think that Overeem's going to want to play a patient game, pick him apart over the course of however long it takes. I don't think he's going to want to engage in those grappling exchanges. But if the fight goes there, I mean. I think Overeem will be savvy enough to survive and get out of those positions and get back to his feet. He's been doing these these guys both have been doing this a long fucking time, but Overeem, I just think, is going to have an advantage standing up and an advantage, you know, not an advantage on the ground, but I think he'll be competent enough to defend himself and get out of some of those positions that you see some of these guys get caught in, like an Ezekiel from Mount, you know, like you got to be aware of that with this guy, that he can grab you from anywhere. Just if Overeem is cognizant on the ground, if it goes there, if he controls distance, he should win this fight. I'd, I'd imagine that he's going to be a pretty big favorite going into this one. So, I mean, Overeem's an animal, though. Uh, Overeem, if Overeem gets him on the ground and can get a hold of him, I mean, look what he did to Travis Brown. He's a guy who's kind of breaking out now. You know, he's making a little bit of a name for himself. So, we'll see. Um, I'm taking Overeem, though. I'm taking him by decision, unanimous decision. I think that's the way he'll win this fight. Or, Overeem can stop you, man. He's got some legitimate power if he really starts pouring it on. I guess it depends on how dangerous he's gauging that Alexi Olenek is and whether he can hurt Olinik, you know. Um, fuck. I'm going to go third-round knockout instead decision. I think Overeem is going to land with something eventually that's going to put him out. I don't think it'll necessarily be early on in the fight. I think Overeem, like I said, he's more cautious in his career, and this is a guy that you definitely have to be cautious and dot your, you know, dot your I's, cross your T's. Um, but I like him to get the job done. I think it'll be a good win for him. So uh let's go back over the card real quick. I'll tell you, I'll try to summarize the mess of the uh of the predictions that I just gave you. Like I said, man, this is a hard fight. It's hard to find some of these motherfuckers, especially like you got guys with records like eight 0 uh Marcello Gomez, six and two, Sergey Pavlovich, twelve and one. Like those aren't a ton of fights, and when they're in other organizations, nice thing about fight pass is a lot of stuff is just organized and collected right there, right? Like I, you can watch almost every UFC fight, but When you start getting outside of that, I know Bellator put some of their stuff up for free. Um, I was able to find some of the fights, like I said, but just not all of them. So it's kind of a hard card to predict. Don't go. If you're looking to this, if you're looking to me for betting advice on this one, I wouldn't fucking do it. But, you know, I think it's going to be a fun night of fights. Uh, Bottom to top, I'm taking Jotko. I think he'll just be able to utilize his kicks and everything, establish range, and get it done over a guy who. You know, highly touted, but I think that I really think that Jocko has what it takes to overcome him. Uh, I'm taking Modaferi, but if Shevchenko is able to keep the fight on her feet, it's going to be a long night for Roxanne. I mean, you're talking about a girl who's working on refining her striking versus someone who all of those movements are going to be so natural because she's been doing it her whole life. Everything she throws on her feet is going to be so much smoother than Roxanne. So this, the, this fight will boil down to whether Roxanne can get her to the ground and use her striking to apply pressure and set up smart takedowns um i'm taking devin clark over over ivan Shitkarov. Shitkarov, i don't even know how to pronounce his name over ivan Uh, i just think his explosiveness and his ability to push fight up against the cage and maybe wear this guy out is going to pay some dividends i don't think you want to get into any deep grappling exchanges with him but just wearing on him in the clinch taking him down that kind of fight i think it'll pay dividends against a guy who's so densely built like this um i'm taking golem over sergey pavlovich I just don't know enough about Pavlovich, and the only time I've actually watched him fight was when he got knocked out. So I've I watched a couple on Fight Pass, um, but the one, his, it was a unanimous decision that he picked up, but there wasn't a ton of action throughout the course of the fight. Um, I'm taking Golem just basically, honestly, based on speed, but this guy, like I said, I'm pretty sure he was a betting favorite when Overeem was ranked sixth in the world. Overeem knocked him out in the first round, but he's still a fucking problem. Um, I'm taking Makachev over Armand Sarukian. I probably butchered every fucking single name on this card. Like, probably not even close. But um, like I said, makachev he's pretty smooth on his feet. He looks fluid. Um, his top pressure is terrifying. It's like all those Sambo guys. He trains with Habib. You know, he's uh, a lot of people are talking about him having championship potential. He's one of the hottest prospects at 155 right now. I'd like him to get the job done as the favorite. And um, I'm taking Overeem over Olenek. A, motherfucker trains in Denver now. Um, Can't pick against him, right? And uh, B, I just think that Overeem's going to be better on the feet, and if it goes to the ground, he'll just be able to survive. I think he'll have what it takes to be, you know. He's been around for a long time, and he's felt the pressure of Blades, no doubt, in a real-life fight and in camp now. Like, you know, I like Overeem to get the job done. Late, probably late, maybe somewhere between the third and fifth round, I'd expect him to knock him out. I think he's going to play cautious until he starts dotting him up a little bit. But uh, that's all I got. There's a fight coming up next weekend. I think that's the one in Miami. I have to check real quick. Um, but another kid from our from I, I keep calling it our gym. But uh, another kid, Corey Sandhagen, is going to be fighting John Lineker on that card in uh, ESPN. And I'm about 99% sure that I saw him at the Centennial Branch when I walked in the one day. So uh, you guys can lock up that I'll be I'll be. I'll, I'll pick Corey Sandhagen next week over John Lineker as well. But, uh, you know, we're pretty quiet, honestly. I mean, you got – oh, no, it's picking – It's never mind. I'm wrong. For some reason, I thought there was this gap between now and July, but there are quite a few good cards. You know, you got uh, you got Jacare versus Hermanson. That's a big fight, especially considering Hermanson's most recent win over Branch. Bellator 220 is the same day. McDonald versus Fitch. That's a big fight. Uh, I, Quinta versus Cowboy in Canada. You got Elias Theodoro and Derek Brunson fighting on that card. Shane Burgos and Cub Swanson. Brad Katonis fighting, ultimate fighter winner. Really talented. That that kid is something to watch out for. Fight IQ is very high, very well-rounded, does everything well, doesn't do a lot of things wrong. And um, Michael Chandler's fighting Pitbull on May 11th. Same day that Nami Yunus is fighting Jessica Andrade at UFC 237. There are some fucking fights coming up. So we got a lot to talk about in the future. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Click subscribe if you liked it. Comment. Leave reviews. Negative or positive. I need criticism. I need to get better at this shit. So I know this this was probably one of the more rocky cards that I've picked. You know, like I said, I admitted that through it. It was a tough one to pick. But I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you think in the comments, like I said. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.